2 Timothy chapter 1, and we'll begin reading in verse number 13, and we'll actually read down to the end of the chapter, 2, Corinthians, or excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13, down to verse number 18. As Paul is writing to Timothy, he says, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phagilus and Hermogenes. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me, and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently, and found me. The Lord granted to him that he may find mercy of the Lord, In that day, and how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. Father, we do thank you that we can come this morning, and Lord, just thank you for the the beautiful singing this morning, and just lifting up the name of Jesus, and uh, Lord, we do thank you that uh, no matter what journey we take in life, uh, Lord, you're you're right there, and uh, Lord, sometimes you're there to to bring us back because we've taken a wrong path. Uh, Lord, sometimes it's through a difficulty, and we know you're right there with us, and but Father, we just thank you that you're ever, you're ever present with us, and we know you'll never leave us. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would just help us this morning as we open up your word. Uh, again, Lord, just speak to our hearts and uh, help us to be yielded to your Holy Spirit and what you'd have for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It's interesting, as Paul is writing to Timothy, we keep seeing different challenges that Paul gives to Timothy here. And uh, throughout this Uh, first chapter, he keeps kind of challenging Timothy in in many different areas. And again, we see another one uh, this morning. In verse number 13, he uses this phrase, hold fast. Hold fast, the form of sound words. Hold fast, right? Um, That that idea of hold fast means to to keep or to guard, right? And Paul is, is challenging Timothy. He's instructing Timothy to to be devoted, to, to be loyal, to be committed, right? And I find, I find it very interesting that a lot of times in Christianity or in church, we don't like to use those terms, right? We don't like to use the term committed, right? Well, I, I'm a Christian, but, you know, I'm not, I don't know if I would say that I'm committed, you know I mean? Because to be committed, man, to be a committed Christian, they really ask a lot of you, you know? You know, they, they may not just, it may not just be one time a week that you have to go to church. You may have to go to church more than once a week. I don't know if I could be that committed. You know, I mean, to be a committed Christian, they, they say you ought to read your Bible every day. I just don't know if I can be that committed, right? You know, we, we kind of look at these terms as negative, right? But I find it interesting that um, the world has no problem asking people to be committed, The world has no problem asking people to be devoted. The world has no problem asking people to be loyal, right? Uh, I mean, you think about it. Uh, Why do they sell jerseys and stuff for sports teams? They want you to be loyal, right? They want want you to be, that's your team, right? I mean, whatever team it might be, you know, hey, you need to buy a, you need to buy a jersey, you need to, you need to buy a hat, you need to buy a sweatshirt, you need to buy uh, this or whatever. Why? Because you're loyal to your team, right? They want you to be loyal. I mean, if you, have, uh, uh, if you have kids that play any type of sports or involved in any stuff at school, they want you to be committed, right? I mean, you just can't sign up. You're like, you know, I'm going to sign my kid up for some type of sport, but I just don't know if I'm going to be committed. You know, I mean, you're, you're asking a lot, right? I mean, you're talking about, you know, you've got practice twice a week, and then there's going to be a game as well? I... You know, we want, I'm going to sign my kid up, but I don't know if we can be committed. What, what, what do you think the, the coach or whoever it is that's doing this, what do you think they would say about that? You think they'd be like, oh, you know, just whenever your kid can show up, just let him show up, you know? That's not going to work, right? They're going to say, well, look, your kid needs to be here at practices, and they need to be here at the games, and, 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 and you know, it, this is an every week thing, and it lasts for like six months. You're like, whew. Really? Three times a week we're going to have to take a, my kid to this sports thing, and, and then, you know, we've got to take him to the games as well. And, 
you know, and then, of course, because your, your kid is in the sport, right, you, you've got to be loyal to your team. And so you're going to have to buy, you know, some clothes that, that represent the team that your kid is on, right? And, and, and by the way, you've got four kids, and so all four of them are in a different sport. And, you know, and so, I mean, isn't it amazing that the world has no problem asking us to be committed? They have no problem asking for commitments. If you're an employer, do you not want your employees to be committed to your company? If you have people that work for you, would you not say, hey, I want, you're going to have to be committed to the job, right? Or if you're an employee, your employer wants you to be committed, right? I mean, go to a job interview, and the guy says, all right, these are your hours. You know, you're going to have to work Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, you know. I just don't know if I can be that committed. I don't know if I can do that, you know, I mean, that, that you're asking a lot, you know, I just don't, I don't know if I can do that. What about, um, what about, how about Tuesdays and Thursdays, I come in for like an hour or so, can that work, will that work? You know, I, I, maybe I can commit to that, even then, I'm still not sure I can commit to that, but, you know, that, that's more reasonable for me, right? Do you know what they're going to say? See ya. They're not going to accept that. You know, when you, when you show up to work, they're expecting you to be committed to what you're doing. Hey, these are your hours. This is when you need to be here. This is the job you need to do, right? There is a commitment that is asked of us. So why do we fear commitment when we come to spiritual things? Why do we fear commitment? How many of you are married? Turn to your partner and just say, I don't think I can be that committed. <laughs> don't do that this morning, okay? That was a joke, okay? What, what, do, you, what do you think? If, if you're getting ready to get married and you, you tell your, your, your fiancé, you know, I just don't think I can be really that committed to this marriage. But let's get married. But I can't be very committed to it. Not going to happen, is it? It's not going to work. This is what Paul is challenging Timothy. He's challenging Timothy to be committed. Hold fast. Be committed, Timothy. And may I say this morning as Christians, we are challenged to be committed. To be committed to Jesus Christ. I mean, you think about some of the songs we just sang this morning. And again, I love how many times the songs just happen to go with, with the message right? It's not planned, right? Follow, follow, I will follow Jesus. You know what Jesus is asking for? (laughs) Commitment. I want you to follow me. Follow me. He's asking for commitment. Lift up the cross. What are we doing? Committed, being committed. And so Paul is telling Timothy, hold fast. Timothy, I'm challenging you. Be committed. Right? I mean, we, we understand there's, there's persecution. We saw this last week. There, there's, there's persecution that is no doubt. There's, there's difficulties that are going to come. But remember what we saw in verse number 7 where he says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He says, Timothy, even though there may be difficulties that come, you, you, can, you can rest assured knowing that God is in control and you don't have to be afraid. And, and Timothy, even when things get dark and when things get difficult, and, and even if there is persecution, again, remember, Paul is writing from prison I think it was pretty dark time for him he's writing from a prison knowing he's about to be executed and he says hold fast you stay committed Timothy you stay committed you stay committed well committed to what What is Paul challenging Timothy to be committed to? Well, I think in these next few verses, as we look, there are two things that Paul is challenging Timothy to be committed to, and I believe these are the same things that the Lord is challenging us to be committed to as well, right? And so before we even look at this this morning, I want to ask you a question. Are you willing to be committed to what God wants you to be committed to? I didn't, say, are you, I, I didn't say, are you willing to be committed to First Baptist Church? That's not what I said. Are you willing to be committed to what God wants you to be committed to? Now, we can commit to anything and everything that the world says, but when it comes to the things of God, oh, I just don't know, preacher. 
I don't know if I can do that. Why? Why can't we be committed to the things of God? Why can't we be committed to what God wants us to be committed to? Can I tell you? The things that God wants us to be committed to have a greater value than anything the world wants you to be committed to. But yet we'll commit to the things of the world and balk at the things of God. And Paul says, Timothy, I'm challenging you. Be committed to what? Notice, first of all, he says, to the word. Be committed to the word. Hold fast the form of sound words. what, What is the word that he's speaking about here? He's talking about the word of God. He says, Timothy, you need to be committed to the word of God. You you need to be committed to the Word. You need to to guard. You need to be loyal. You need to be devoted to the Word of God. What God says, Timothy, that's what you ought to be committed to. What God desires for your life, that's what you ought to be loyal to. That's what you ought to be devoted to. And notice he says several things about the Word. Notice he says it is sound words. Hold fast the form of sound words. That that idea of sound words, it means that it's, it's right, it's accurate, it's, it's, it's permanent. It's sound words. There, there's only one word that's sound. There's only one word that's right, that's accurate, and that is the word of God. That's it, right? Again, everybody can have their own opinion, and everybody does. Everybody has their own opinion. But can I tell you, there's only one sound word, and that is God's word. There's only one right word. There's only one accurate word. It's God's word. It's not what the politicians say. It's not what grandma and grandpa says. It's not what mom and dad says. It's not what the pastor says. It's not what the church says or religion says. It's what God says. That's it. And so Paul says, Timothy, I want you to be committed to sound words. I want you to be committed to the word of God. Brandon, can I ask you, are you committed to the word of God? Are you committed to God's word? Not just do you believe this is God's word, and I'm sure no doubt if I asked this morning and I said, how many of you believe this is God's word? I'm sure most hands would be raised this morning. But are you committed to it? Not just do you think it's God's word, but are you committed to it? So that when you read it and God says, this is what I want, there's no questions asked. It's simply, all right, Lord, if that's what you want, that's what I'm willing to do. Why is it that we would be willing to show up for practices and games and things when somebody else tells us to, but when God tells us to do something, well, I just don't think I can do that, God. There's something wrong with our commitment. And Paul is saying, Timothy, I want you to be committed to the word of God. You, these are sound words. If you, want, if you want to know anything that you can believe that is right and that is true and that is accurate, it's God's word and God's word alone. It's not a religious system. It's not a church. It's not a denomination. It is the word of God alone. Timothy, hold fast. Timothy, you be committed to God's word. Why? Because it's sound words. Notice the second thing he says about the word here. Not only is it sound words, but it's taught words. Notice what he says. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me. Interesting. How did Timothy receive these words? He says to Timothy, I want you to hold fast to these words, this sound word that you've received. But how did you receive them? Paul says you heard them. Now, we've already looked a little bit about Timothy's background and and where Timothy came from, and we understand that Timothy didn't come from the greatest of home lives, right? He kind of came from a broken home. In fact, he he really didn't have a spiritual father in the picture uh, as far as a a physical spiritual father. Yes, we know that Paul kind of became his spiritual mentor, but his father really didn't care anything about the things of God. In fact, it was his grandmother and his mother that taught him about God. 
It was his mother that, that taught him the scriptures and his grandmother that taught him the scriptures and, and, and helped him to come to know Jesus. And then when Paul comes along and, and Paul sees a young man that has a desire for the things of God, Paul takes him under his wing and Paul begins to teach him. And Paul says, hey, you remember all those things that you've heard me teach, Timothy? Remember all the, the gospel and how many times we've gone out? And every time that Paul would go somewhere, guess what Paul would do? He would take somebody with him. Whether it was Timothy or Titus or, or Trophimus or Tychicus, he'd take all of these guys with us. I think you had to have a name starting with T to be able to go with Paul, right? Timothy and Titus and Tychicus and Trophimus, right? You had to have a Anybody? Never mind. Don't worry about it. All right. Uh, and, so, and so he's got all these guys with him. And every time he's going out, what is he doing? They're listening to Paul teach. They're listening to Paul preach. And they're listening to the questions that are being asked. And they're listening to Paul respond through the word of God. And, and they're, they're learning and they're constantly learning the word of God. As Paul is, is preaching and teaching, they're constantly listening to God's word. Boy, how important it is that we hold fast, not just to sound words, but to these taught words. They were taught to him. Every place he went, he was helping to teach someone. And over time, as Paul would preach and teach, those that heard him would hear it over and over and over and over again. This August, many of you know, there's a group from our church that's going back to Uganda. We were missionaries for many years, and um, I'm very thankful that when we go back to Uganda in August that they're still preaching and teaching sound words. They're still preaching the gospel message. They're not preaching a religious system. They're preaching the word of God. But can I say this? And please understand this is not to lift me up just like this is not trying to lift Paul up. They would not have heard the word of God if somebody was not there telling them the word of God. If Paul would not have taken Titus and Timothy and these others with him, they would not have been able to learn the word of God. They would not have been able to hear the questions that are being asked, and they would not have heard how Paul was able to respond to, from the word of God. I remember Brother Michael, who's our radio station manager, we were out in a village one time, and we were coming back, and, and whenever we'd go to a village and preach and things, we'd take guys with us. It's very similar to this. They would go with us, and they would hear. And we were coming back. Michael made this comment. He said, Pastor, he said, I find it very amusing. He said, every time you give the gospel, right, it's the same gospel, but he said, every time you give it, you give it a different way. And I said, I don't understand what you mean. He said, whenever you talk to somebody, you don't ever present the gospel the exact same way that you presented it to like the person before. And he said, what I began to notice is that whatever the person is and whatever the circumstance there is, is you, you bring it to whatever circumstance they're in. And, and you're able to, to help somebody, whether it's if it's a mother that has a baby or if it's a, it's a father or somebody working out in the field. The gospel is the same, but you present it in different ways so that they're able to grasp it, they're able to understand it. Now, wait a How would he have been able to learn to do that if he was never going with me out to the villages? And Paul is saying to Timothy, hey, I want you to hold fast to sound words but because these words have been taught by you. And so here's my question again to you this morning. Not only are you committed to the word of God, but who are you teaching sound words to? Do we not say that we believe this is the word of God? And who are we teaching it to? Who are we teaching the word of God to? You see, he says these are taught words. They need someone to come alongside of them and help to open the word of God and teach it to them and help explain it to them. Who are you taking alongside of you? Who are you committed to to teach the word of God? Can I say this morning, the only reason that we have the word of God today is because there are those from generations past who are willing to teach it what they had learned to somebody else and they taught it to somebody else and they taught it to somebody else and they taught it to somebody else and now we have it today. So my question is, who are you teaching it to so that they can have it tomorrow? You say, well, that's your job, preacher. No, 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 no. That's your job. You see, who are you committed to to teach sound words? Well, I didn't, I didn't, go, to, I didn't go to a Bible college I don't know that there's anywhere in the Bible that says you have to have a Bible college degree to teach the Bible. 
I think the Bible says, in fact, we're going to get to this a little bit later. He says in chapter 2, he says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know what God says to do? Study it. You know what study takes? Commitment. It takes commitment. Anybody in here go to college? Anybody go to college? Anybody in college? You got a few college students, right? Yeah. How many of you went to college? Right? Did they just... Okay, you're, you're going to be taking... A, I don't even know what they teach in college. You're going to be taking sociology. Is that a thing? That is a thing? I'm so proud of myself. I came up with a really cool word. You're going to be taking sociology 101, right? And you show up the very last day of class where they're giving the exam. You haven't come to a single class, you haven't read a single book, and you just show up the last day of class. Do you really think that they're going to let you take the, the test? I don't think so. Why? Because they wanted you to come to the classes, and they wanted to give you assignments, and they wanted to be able to, to help you to learn these different things, and uh, whatever it might be, they're, they're trying to teach you these things. Why do we think that we can just somehow impress God and never take the time to learn the Word of God? Well, God, I just showed up on Sunday. Isn't that cool? Wait a minute. Are you committed to the Word of God? Are you committed to teaching someone else the Word of God? Well, that's, that's the Sunday school teacher's job. That's, that's, the, you know, that's the, the, the ministry people's job. No, no, no. Why do we think that that's somebody else's job other than ours? You know why? Because we don't want to be committed. We don't want to take the time to study it for ourselves so that we can actually teach somebody else. We just want everybody else to teach us without ever being committed to teach anybody else. And Paul says to Timothy, look, he says, hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast, been, which thou hast heard. He said, look, these are sound words. They've been taught to you. You know what is right. You know what the word of God says. Now you need to be able to teach those to others. And we'll see that even uh, as we get into chapter 2. This is one of the things that Paul tells Timothy. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Got to be finding somebody that you can teach the word of God to teach these sound doctrines who are you teaching the word of God to but may I say not only is it sound words is it taught words but notice notice in verse number 13 at the end he says in faith and love which is in Jesus Christ hold fast the form of sound words in faith and love which is in Jesus Christ these are spoken words they're to be spoken words you notice what he says? They are to be spoken. How? In faith and in love. You see, as we know, okay, we have an idea. This is, this is the word of God. It's sound. It's right. It's accurate. How are we learning these things? They've been being taught to us now. What are we supposed to do now that we have been taught these things? We are to speak them. We are to, to speak the word of God. We are to share it with others. But how do we do that? He says in faith and in love in faith and in love in faith believing that this is God's word as God has given it to us and in faith and in love can I can I say there is a right way and a wrong way to be committed to the word there's a right way and a wrong way yes we are to speak the truth but the Bible says we are to speak it in love we're to speak it in love and speaking in love does not mean that we are condoning anything no, no, because we're still holding to sound words. We're still holding to what is right. We're still holding to what is accurate. We are willing to stand and say, hey, this is sin. It is wrong. But we can still do it in love. We can still do it in love. We're not condoning it. We're simply trying to show them the love of Christ. Look, we, we understand. You look at this, our society that we're in today, and obviously, you know, one of the, one of the hot-button topics today is this whole LGBTQ plus uh, all of this kind of stuff that's going on. Well, what, is, what does the church say about it? It doesn't matter what the church says about it. it do, honestly, it doesn't matter what the church says about it. That's, not, that's the wrong question. The question is, what does God say about it? 
That's, that's the question. What does God say about it? And when we look in Scripture, we can understand that God says that he made male and female. He made a man and a woman. Period. That's it. You say, well, the scientists, they're saying that there's 47 different types. No, no, no. God said there's male and there's female. Period. Well, but you know, we should just be able to, to love anybody and love everybody. Yes, we should love everybody, but God says there is male and there is female. God said a marriage is between a male and a female, a man and a woman. Well, but they, they, they love each other. Well, God says that's not what it's supposed to be. It doesn't matter if a man and a man say they love each other. It doesn't matter if a woman and a woman say they love each other. God says marriage is to be between a man and a woman, period. Now, look, you, you can get up here and you can, you, can, you can talk hateful and you can say that, you know, and, and unfortunately there are people that do that. And there are people that say, you know, hey, if you're living that type of lifestyle, then you're going to go to hell and everything like this. Wait a minute. No, the Bible says everybody's going to hell. Every person is going to hell because they're a sinner. It's not because of a specific lifestyle that someone is living. You understand that? It's not a specific lifestyle that somebody lives. The reason why a person dies and goes to hell is because they are a sinner. That's why. That's why. We're a sinner, right? And we have to understand, look, every single person is born a sinner. We have to grasp that. Every person is born a sinner. It doesn't matter what, what you've done. The Bible says you are born a sinner. And, and we naturally commit sin, right? Again, nobody had to teach you how to lie. You didn't have to teach your children how to lie, right? You didn't have to teach your children how to be selfish, I don't think there's any parent that ever got on the floor and had a little pit, a, a temper tantrum and said, this is how you do it. <laughs> I'm not going to demonstrate that, okay? <laughs> well, where did they learn it? They didn't have to learn it. They came by it naturally because they're a sinner. And that's why the Bible, says, the Bible tells us very clearly, for all have sinned. Every single one of us is a sinner. It's not a lifestyle that sends someone to hell. It's because of our sin that sends somebody. And every single person is a sinner. You see, I think that's one of the things that we forget is that if we're saved, and thank God that we're saved, but we used to be a sinner too. We used to be a sinner lost without Jesus Christ and on our way to hell until someone spoke sound words and shared Jesus Christ with us. And showed us that God loved us even though we were lost without Jesus Christ. And we had the privilege of accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior. Look, friend, we can, we can stand on sound words and we can speak the truth of the Word of God, but the Bible says it ought to be done in love. It ought to be done in love. We're not going to condone it, but can I tell you something? doesn't matter what sin that you are a part of. doesn't matter what lifestyle you're living. Can I tell you something? God loves you God doesn't hate you he loves you and he loved you so much that he was willing to send his son Jesus Christ to die for you friend that that does, that means if it that means if, if you're in the LGBTQ lifestyle or if you're just in a uh, an immoral lifestyle or if you're into pornography or you're into all these different things or if you're just if you're just a liar or whatever it is can I tell you, do you understand? God loves you. Even though you are a sinner, even though you are separated from God, he loves you so much that he was willing to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. You say, well, I just don't think that God could ever forgive me for, for what I've done. No, he's the only one who can. He's the only one who can forgive you, and he wants to forgive you. He wants to save you from your sin. He wants to bring you back in fellowship with him. That's what is absolutely Un unbelievable about God look we all deserve to die and go to hell and we all should because of our sin doesn't matter what sin it is we all deserve to die and go to hell and yet he doesn't want us to he wants us to be with him but here's the question and this is what Jesus asks are you willing to forsake that are you willing to turn from your sin and be committed to Jesus? 
Are you willing to turn from that and recognize that, hey, because of your sin, you are going to die and go to hell? Because of your sin, you are lost without Jesus Christ. There is no way to save yourself from, from your sin. You can't, you can't join a church. You can't be good. You can't uh, get baptized or, or, or be, uh, keep the Ten Commandments. You can't do any of those things. The only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. Jesus said, you've, you've got to be willing to turn from those things. You have to repent. You have to recognize that that is wrong. It's sinful. And turn from those things and turn to Jesus Christ. Are you willing to commit yourself to Jesus Christ? You see, if you're here this morning, friend, or maybe you're watching via live stream and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, Jesus is asking you one specific question this morning. Are you willing to be committed to him? Are you willing to commit your life to Jesus Christ? To turn from your sin, to repent of your sin, and to turn to Jesus Christ. And here's what's amazing. The Bible says, when you repent of your sin and turn to Jesus Christ, you know what he does? He forgives your sin. He forgives it, all of it. Every single thing that you've ever done, every single thing that you will ever do, he forgives it. And he brings you into his family, and he makes you a child of God. Can I tell you something? You'll never find anything greater than what Jesus is willing to do for your life. There's nothing greater. But you've got to be willing to turn from those things and commit yourself to Jesus Christ. Are you willing to commit yourself today to Jesus Christ? Say, Lord, I'm yours. I, I'm, I'm tired of my sin. I recognize my sin is going to send me to hell, and I don't want to do that anymore. And Lord, I'm willing to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. Can I tell you, he's waiting to receive you. He's waiting to accept you. You say, is it, is it really that simple? Is Jesus really willing to forgive all of those things that I've ever done and, and all of the, the sins I've ever committed? Yes. Yes, he is. If you'll just, by faith, turn to him. Are you willing to be to committed to Jesus Christ? That's what he's asking of you this morning if you don't know Christ. You see, these, these spoken words, they're spoken in faith, they're spoken in love. The greatest love that was ever shown is through Jesus Christ and what he did. What's amazing, though, is what he says is not only are they sound words and taught words and spoken words, but they are kept words. <laughs> I love this. Look at verse number 14. That good thing which was committed unto thee, he's talking about the, the, the word of God, this sound word, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. I love it. These words are kept by the Holy Spirit of God. Isn't it amazing that we can say, that 2,000 years ago, that under the inspiration of, of the Holy Spirit of God, God used Paul to write this letter to Timothy. And God used Paul to write other letters. And God used Ma Matthew. And God used Mark. And, and God used Luke. And, and God used David. And God used many of these others. And we can, thousands of years later, we can open the Word of God and we can know that what we're reading is God's Word. The sound Word of God. Well, how is that even possible? I mean, they can't, you can't look at a history book that goes back 30 years and find some change already in a history book. You look at science books, and you can't find you know, a science book that hasn't changed in the past 20, 30, 40 years. So how can we say that the Word of God that we have today after thousands of years is still God's Word without any changes to it? Because it's God's Word, and it's kept by the Holy Spirit of God. God says that he has promised to preserve his word. And this is what Paul is telling Timothy. It's the Holy Spirit of God that helps us to know what is sound doctrine. As we read the word of God and as we study the word of God, the Holy Spirit of God helps us to know what we are to be committed to. As we read it and study it and we learn and God speaks to our heart and we're growing in our walk with God, then the Holy Spirit says, hey, this is what you need to be committed to. You need to be committed to sound words. You need to be committed to the word of God. Hey, you ought to be committed to, to telling other people about Jesus Christ. Hey, you ought to be committed to, to sharing it with other people. Speak it. Tell other people about Jesus Christ. Do it in love. But tell others about Christ. You see, it's the Holy Spirit of God that as he is living inside of us and, and he helps us to know what is truth because as we read his words, this is, this is what's really amazing. If you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you, then you have the author of this book living inside of you. 
The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Right? They wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have the author. Don't you think he wants you to know what he's put in there for you? And as we read it and as we study it, he says, hey, this is what you need to be committed to. This is what you need to be committed to. Right here, it's right here. And God's Spirit helps us with this. And so Paul challenges Timothy, would you be committed to the word? But notice, secondly, he says, will you be committed to the work? Look in verse number 15. He says, this thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes, the Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. So notice Paul is challenging Timothy. Be committed to the word. And secondly, be committed to the work. Be committed to the work of God. Now, he gives us two examples here. The first example, we find the treachery of two. There's treachery of two men here that are named. Now, obviously, we find here, as Paul uh, says this in verse number 15, that all they which were in Asia be turned away from me. And when we understand what, what is happening here, because Paul was now in prison and in prison, many people were turning away from the work of God. They were turning away from Paul. They were turning away from the work of God. But he specifically points out two. There's two that were treacherous, right? Many left, but he specifically calls out two. These two men in verse number 15, he says, all they that were in Asia turned away from him. And and what's really interesting is when you go back and you search the scripture, you'll find out that the reason why Asia heard the word of God was because of Paul. It was through Paul's ministry that he would go to Ephesus and, and Lystra and Iconium and, and all these different places that they heard the word of God and they got saved. So Paul was being obedient to God and through that many people got saved. But now Paul is in prison and, and Paul is about to be executed. And, and it's basically, hey, if you're identified with Paul, you could be next. And so they're saying, Haha, we, don't, we don't know Paul. And many, he says, all they that were in Asia turned away, but specifically these two. And I think when, when God specifically points out some names, there's a reason why. He says these two names, of whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes. Now, that's the way I pronounce them. If you don't like that, you can pronounce it however you want, okay? But that's how I'm pronouncing them today, right? Hermogenes and Phagellus. Sounds good to you? You know who I'm talking about? Okay. So Paul specifically points out these two. Now, here's what's interesting we're not really certain who these men are. Not really certain who they are. There's nothing else in Scripture about these men. But yet Paul specifically calls out these two. And it's very likely that these two that Paul calls out were either pastors or leaders in the churches of Asia. And when they heard of what was happening to Paul, instead of standing with Paul and saying, hey, if it weren't for the apostle Paul following God, we would have never known Christ as our Savior. If it wasn't Paul coming to to Ephesus and Lystra and Iconium and these places, we would have never known about Jesus Christ. Instead of standing with this man who had helped them come to know Jesus as their Savior, instead they turn away and they lead others away. These leaders or pastors, maybe they were, helped to turn others away from the work of God. They turned others to do the same thing. Hey, we're not going to stand with, with the man of God. We're not going to stand with the work that he's doing. We're just going to kind of, we're just going to separate ourselves. We're going to do our own thing over here now. We're not, we're not part of that. Can I tell you, that's, that's dangerous when we start saying, hey, because somebody's being persecuted over here, for standing for truth and standing for right and standing for the word of God that now we want to start separating ourselves because we're afraid that we might be identified with them. That's treacherous. And that's why Paul specifically calls out these two. 
because they were part of leading others away from the work of God. And can I say this morning, if, there, if, 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 you're, if you have a friend or someone that's trying to lead you away from doing what God wants you to do, if you have somebody that's trying to lead you away from being committed to the word of God and to what God says, you better be careful about that person. And that's what Paul is doing. He's warning people, hey, you watch out for these people here. But there's one example that he gives of commitment. The commitment of one in verse number 16. He says, The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. So again, here's, here's the correlation we see between the two that were treacherous and turned people away and this one who was an example of commitment. His name was Onesiphorus. And he says, Paul says, that he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Now think about this. As Paul was sitting in a Roman prison cell waiting to be executed, anyone that would understand anything about the Roman Empire would know that if you're associated with someone that is, that is going to be put to death in the death sentence, that it's probably not a good thing to associate with them. Because if you do, that could probably lead for you to be imprisoned, for you maybe to be executed. But Onesiphorus says, that doesn't bother me. I know there's going to be persecution. I know there's going to be difficulties. And Onesiphorus, Paul says, was one that came. He was committed to the work of God. And it didn't matter that Paul was in prison. It didn't matter that even he himself could be imprisoned or even put to death. He said, I'm committed to the work of God. He says, he often refreshed me. He was not ashamed of my chains. But notice this, even in verse 17. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. Think about this. It would have been very easy for Onesiphorus. We don't know, we don't understand exactly why Onesiphorus was in Rome. We're not really sure, right? But here's Onesiphorus, and he's in Rome, and no doubt he's probably heard that Paul is in prison. It'd be very easy for Onesiphorus just to go to Rome, maybe do the business that he's doing there, and then leave without ever seeing Paul, right? I mean, Paul's in prison. It's not like Paul's going to know that Onesiphorus was in Rome. But whatever it was that brought Onesiphorus to Rome, maybe it was a business deal or whatever it was. Obviously, he was from Ephesus, and so maybe he was, uh, had some business in Rome. But whatever it was, when Onesiphorus came to Rome, he didn't just do his business transaction and then leave. The Bible says he sought Paul out. He specifically was trying to find Paul. He was specifically trying to find this man that no doubt because of him... Onesiphorus had probably come to know Christ. And he says, hey, I want to be committed to the work of God. And if that means helping this man that is in prison, I want to go and I'm going to help him. Even if it means imprisonment myself. And he purposefully sought out Paul. Even though it could have meant imprisonment. And he says, the Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. Again, this is interesting. Paul says this wasn't just a one-time deal. Onesiphus was committed to the work of God. He says, when, when I was in Ephesus, and obviously this was probably years prior when Paul was in Ephesus, he says Onesiphus was committed to the work of God. He did the same thing in Ephesus as he's doing in Rome. He's committed to the work of God. Whatever that might be, even if it means just finding Paul and helping to encourage him. Everybody else turned away. All, everybody else in Asia turned away, but not Onesiphorus. He was committed to the work of God. And so Paul is challenging Timothy. He says, Timothy, I want you to hold fast to the word. I want you to hold fast to the work. Hold fast to the word. What does God have for you? What does God want to teach you in his word and are you taking what God is teaching you and teaching others? And then hold fast to the work. Be committed to the work of God. You understand that as, as we've kind of already talked about this earlier in this, in this chapter, God has a purpose and a call for every single one of us. It's not just the preacher. It's not just a missionary. Every single one of us is called to the work of God. 
But here's the question that I'm asking this morning, and here's the challenge that Paul was giving Timothy. Are you going to be committed to it? Are you going to be committed to it? Are you going to be committed to the Word of God? When you read the Word of God and God speaks to your heart, are you going to be obedient to it? Or are we going to start making excuses why we can't or maybe why we won't? When God says, hey, this is the work that I have for you to do. I want you to, I want you to be the right type of Christian. I want you to set the example and being a committed Christian. And I want you to follow me and do what I've asked. And I want you to share the gospel with others and tell others how they can know Jesus as their Savior. Are we going to be committed to it? Or are we just going to start making excuses why we can't? Why would we want to be more committed to the things of the world that has done nothing for us spiritually than to God, who's given us eternal life, who's given us a home in heaven, who's blessed us unbelievably? Why wouldn't we want to be more committed to Him than anything else? This is what Paul is telling Timothy. Timothy, I'm challenging you. Hold fast. You stay committed. You be loyal. You be devoted to Jesus. You be committed to His Word. You be committed to His work. And watch how God will bless that. Oh, were these others in Asia, were they saved? Yes. No doubt. Paul speaks of them. They weren't committed. They turned and were committed. And Esaphora says, I'll be committed. I'm going to follow what God says. I'm going to do what God says. No matter what it costs. No matter what it costs. See, I think that's where our problem is. We're concerned it might cost us something. And therefore, we won't be committed to it. We're not committed to the Word of God. It's going to cost us time to study it. It's going to cost us time to teach it. So we're not committed to it. To do the work of God, it's going to cost time. It may cost many things. So therefore, we just won't do it. We won't do it. And yet one day, and you notice what he says here, He says, the Lord granted to him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. You understand that every one of us, if we know Christ is our Savior, every one of us is going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And every one of us is going to have to give an account for what we have done. Jesus Christ was committed. He was willing to come to this earth and die on the cross for our sins so that we could have eternal life. And he says, now I want you to be committed to me. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, he says, I want you to be committed to me. Will you be committed to my word? Are you committed to the work that I have for you to do? I was committed for you. Will you be committed for me? And every one of us that know Christ as our Savior one day have to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to have to explain. We're going to have to explain what we've done. And I don't know what Jesus is going to say. I have no idea what he's going to say. But what if he just asked this one question? Were you committed? I wonder what answer it would be. Were you committed? Well, you know, Lord, I I had all these other things that I had to do. Were you committed? Well, it just didn't fit into my schedule, Lord. Were you committed? What would our answer be? I wonder with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, no one looking about this morning, with every head bowed, every eye closed, friend, maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you say, Pastor, I'd like to know how I could commit my life to Jesus Christ. I'm not sure if I died where I would go. I know I'm a sinner. 
Nobody has to tell me that. I know I'm a sinner. But I'd like to know how I could be forgiven of my sins. I'd like to know how I could commit my life to Jesus Christ and follow him. Friend, if that's you this morning, I'm I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But I would like to pray for you this morning. And if that's you this morning, you know in your heart, you know you're a sinner. And you're not sure if you died where you would go. Would you say, Pastor, I'd like to know how I could be committed to Jesus Christ and have my sins forgiven. Would you just slip up your hand and put it right back down? Nobody else is looking about. Nobody's going to come to you. I'm not going to call you out. Just slip it up and put it right back down. Yes, God bless you. Someone else. Pastor, will you pray for me? I'm not sure. But I would like to know how I could have my sins forgiven. How I could be committed to Jesus Christ. Someone else this morning. Pastor, would you pray for me? Just slip it up put it right back down. Nobody else is looking about. And Christian, can I ask you? Just one simple question. If you were to stand before Jesus Christ today and he was to ask you that one simple question, were you committed to me? Were you committed to my word? Were you committed to my work? What would your answer be? Would we try to come up with all kinds of excuses? why we couldn't. No doubt, these two men came up with all kinds of excuses why they shouldn't be committed to the work of God. But there really is no excuse not to be committed when we think about what Jesus has done for us. Can I challenge you this morning? Be committed to the word. Be committed to his work. Maybe this morning, maybe some Christians just need to come and say, Lord, I haven't been committed. And Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. And I want to try and work harder to be committing myself to Jesus Christ, to his word and to his work. Lord, I pray you'd help us. Lord, be yielded to your spirit. Lord, that we would be committed to you. Lord, I pray for this one that raised their hand, that does not, they're not sure if they're saved. They'd like to know how they can have their sins forgiven and be committed. And I pray that during the invitation they would come, that we might show them how they can know Jesus as their Savior. I pray for Christians, Lord, that we would desire to be committed to you when we think about what you have done for us. Father, would you bless in the invitation now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand quietly to our feet this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed. In just a moment, I'm going to ask the piano to begin to play softly. A friend, if you raised your hand and you said, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm saved, I'm not sure where I'd go, as soon as the piano begins to play, I'd like to ask you to step out from where you are. I'll meet you right down in front. If you're a man, I'll have a man talk with you. If you're a lady, I'll have a lady talk with you. They'll show you from the Word of God, God's Word, how you can know Jesus as your Savior, how your sins can be forgiven, how you can be committed to Him. And Christian, if maybe this morning God's spoken to your heart, maybe you need to come and just recommit your life to Jesus Christ. Say, Lord, I, I haven't been doing so well, but I want to be committed to you. As the piano begins to play, whatever God speaks to your heart, why don't you come?